Thank you all. Good so morning. Good. Yeah. Good morning and welcome to, uh, to Alamo City. And I'm telling you that, everyone, I just, I need that. I needed that. Lord, open up the heavens. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. We're continuing on with, a, with another slice of the subject of hope today. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now the slice of hope for today is hope and the one you love, hope and marriage. You know what I was thinking about when we were singing that last song? Tell me. Where it talked about show us your glory and show us your power. I don't know if y'all know it, but there's a lot of joy working in here between the two of us these days. And I just, as I was singing, I was just thanking the Lord for the places where he showed his power in our relationship and his glory. Hadn't always been that oh, way, no. right? You know, oh, well, that's, no. that's sort of what we need to talk a little bit about today. And, and so we, we, we don't want you to be listening to this as if these are two experts, these are two veterans who have, who have won we all the wars. We are veterans. Uh, yeah, that's true. We, but we know, have scars. We got some arrows sticking in, got a little scar here and there. But um, so we, you know, we, we want to we just speak to you as we from time to time have done over the years uh, here at Alamo City to the Alamo City family, just out of our own experience, out of what the Lord's been doing in, in us. And um, so I, wanna, I want them to know who you are. They have to listen to me every week, but there's some folks that probably hadn't been here. Uh, don't know. This is, this is Shirley Walker. Um, Shirley. Oh, no, I don't work at Bluebell or at H-E-B. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do partake of both of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, she, so her, her, her role has been multifaceted over the years, but the, but the amazing thing about this is we... We, we came from some completely different backgrounds, right? Absolutely. This, this is a Tulsa Okie, and I'm a, I'm a Mississippi, kind of an old Miss rebel, and we, we ended up meeting in Houston um, in the 70s. Her, her dad's involved in the, uh, the oil business, and my, my family has been um, involved in, in the church. ministry. What? The ministry. The ministry. Well, well, thank you for emphasizing that correctly. And, uh, <laughs> you know. Okay, so, so here, here she comes from this, the, I'm, I'm going to just say irreligious background, and I come from a super religious background, and some way or another, um, we, we, we met in Houston during a time when there was a real outpouring of the Holy Spirit going on. And our common bond, there was, there was no other reason we should even know each other. This is a Miss Teenage Houston. She was the youngest Miss Teenage not... Houston. I'm just telling them, tell them the truth about it. <laughs> youngest Miss Teenage Houston ever in the history of the crazy contest up until that time. Went on to compete nationally and all that stuff. And, and so, you know, she's in that world, this, this rock star world. And I'm over here in this, in this little, huh? Well, in this little, you know, this kind of this little tight religious, you know, That's thing true. right here. And scared to do anything wrong and, and mainly doing a lot of things wrong. But He was an assistant youth director and he carried a briefcase to work every day. 
Thank you very much. There was important. You and know what I, she did? She said, so what's in your briefcase? This is after she's in the youth group and she, we met and I kept trying to figure out ways to counsel her. You know, because I was the youth. I felt like she needed a lot of help, a lot of work. It just so happened that she was gorgeous. That didn't, that was, you know, that, that was not, I, that didn't, wasn't a part of it at all. And anyway, she says, so what's in your briefcase? A banana? And a no. ping pong paddle. And a ping pong paddle. That's what <laughs> I Anyway, um, so we were, we were thrown together in a, in a time when the Lord really, really was all kidding aside, doing some things in Houston, um, in the students and, um, powerful things. And we just got exposed to freedom in Jesus. For me, it was more than religion, more than just sitting in a church service. It was the joy of the Lord and seeing some, you know, drug drug addicts coming to the Lord and just some powerful things happening in the whole city of Houston among the teenagers. And then Shirley Which came at it. Which didn't mean, though, that, I mean, even though he was experiencing freedom, his definition of freedom was wearing white patent <laughs> shoes like Pat Boone and, and polyester pants, you know. There well, was Griff. no tie-dye or, or flip-flops on his feet. No, no, you know, this, so. this is, you know, this was, this was an Austin hippie rescued from some of that stuff, I guess. But she's still got a problem, you know. That, the things that you grow up with and around, they just sort of have a way of oozing into your adulthood. So in some of that, I, I mean, I, it, it has just scared me to death what I found out I was been, I've been married to all these years at, at times, the, the freedom that she has known. And I, you know, I, some things I didn't do just because it was religiously uh, excluded and she didn't have any problem with some of that stuff. And but just to set you up too for our marriage, when you went to ask my father for, to, to allow you to marry me, yeah. what did he say to you? Well, he, he, said, he said two things. He said, well, she's young. And then he said, and I promise you, I quote this, Sam is looking down from heaven, he knows this is through. He says, she's, my, a, she's a hard head. My That's own it. father. My own father. She's a, she's a hard head. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's true. I, sh I should have taken it and run away from but them. But we all know that, you know, it, we all know that I'm not the only hard head in this, in yeah, this relationship. Yeah, well, and to our, to our three children out there, we've given birth to hard heads, too. You, know, you, you, birth, you birth hard heads. All right, so that, that's sort of, our, sort of our background. And then we were, we, we were married in Houston by... John Bassanio, our pastor, and my dad was, was a part of the ceremony and so forth. And then we, we, began, we began a life of, of ministry. First started out working with students and then college students and then um, went from Houston to seminary in Fort Worth. And she's a, uh, Shirley's a certified dental hygienist, made the, one of the highest scores at Baylor Dental School. After, I'm telling all this. I like to tell it. I like to tell it. She, she, you know, she scored, they, they do a, an aptitude test for prospective dentists, and she scored way up there, and they wanted her to become a dentist, and she backed away from that because we felt like, and I've, I've just been overwhelmed as the years have gone by, the stuff that she has given up in order to, to be a part of the ministry the Lord's given us. So, so she um, didn't pursue dentistry. She was, she's a dental hygienist, hadn't practiced in a while. But then Basically, we, all I took away with that is that I do floss my teeth every day. So. <laughs> all right, so, and you should too. <laughs> yeah. 
And yeah. you should too. Yeah, I, well, I do. I do. I, I do. It doesn't help, but I do. All right. So we, we left uh, Fort Worth, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, with uh, finished the master's work, and we moved to Hobart, Oklahoma, First Baptist Church, Hobart, Oklahoma. How old were you when we went to? Went to Hobart. Maybe like 21 or so. 21. 21 she's a, <laughs> a pastor's uh, wife at 21. Yeah, yeah. And you still having see to the, look at my contents. To find, to find you know, Habakkuk different yeah, stuff. Habakkuk. Yeah. So you just have to feel like the Lord has this sense of humor. He's looking down from heaven and seeing what he's put together. And she's 21, and she's now the pastor pastor's wife of the First Baptist Church of Hobart, Oklahoma. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but, but uh, as far as the size of the church and so forth, but it, if, you're in, if you're in Kiowa County in southwestern Oklahoma, halfway between Lone Wolf and Godibo or Lawton and Altus, um, Hobart's a pretty big deal, and, and it was a <laughs> wonderful little church, and so there we were for a couple of years. Getting our, getting our teeth cut. We left there after a while and moved to Amarillo, and we were there for four years, and that was about 30-something years ago. And from Amarillo, we moved to San Antonio. And we've been here in San Antonio for 30 years or so. But just like all of you, the stages, you know, the stages of marriage are the same. I and mean, we had the honeymoon stage where everything was new, and it was sort of weird. We discovered the other night we were with our married kids, and all of the women at the table confess that they cried on their honeymoon. I cried on our honeymoon and wanted an annulment because he brought his briefcase with him and he had his Bible books up open everywhere. But my daughter and daughter-in-law also said, you know, that they cried too. It's like, what, what have I done here? But most of the honeymoon period in a marriage is, is, you know, trying to figure it out and, oh my gosh, this person's going to sleep next to me the rest of my life. Why won't they, you know, not snore or... Why won't they roll the toothpaste up the way I want it rolled up? Those things last, you know, 40 years. You're still doing that. But, but the honeymoon stage is usually kind of wonderful. Then there's that we need to figure this out stage. You know, we're, we got to figure this out. And as Christians, that becomes the, well, what does the Bible say? And we're going to, this is going to work because we're going to learn our roles. And mm. usually... I don't know. I'm not a man. I don't remember you caring that much about that, but I certainly did. I was, I caring that much know. about what? Don't care about how Who's, what's your role? What's my role? Who's supposed okay. to do what? And okay. we took that real seriously. Right. Like the Bible said, you were, I was supposed to honor you and respect you. Yeah, and we're, to you. we're still working but on But you were supposed to love me, love me, yeah. love me. Okay, okay, okay. Like Christ loves the church. Yeah. I'm, I'm still waiting for that, babe. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that. We're working on it. We're, so, we're working on it. So that's the stage of marriage where you think if we just get this down right, if I just submit right, mm -hmm. if I just, you know, respect him more, if I keep my mouth shut more, then he's going to love me like Christ loves mm -hmm. the church. And, uh, and the husband, for him, it's more of, you know, he spends more time, let's be honest, in 1 Corinthians, what is it, 7, where it talks about whose body belongs to who and that we shouldn't not have intimacy because it could cause temptation. That's, that's the scripture that the husband kind of camps out in, is, is right there, trying, you know, throwing that at the wife and the wife's throwing at the husband, love me as Christ loves the church. 
So we're so trying he, he to learn our to... roles. Okay, that's like the next ten years or something like that. Am I just taking over? And you feel you like are. That's your dad said. Hard head. That's what. Yeah. Well, after that stage, where you really have you have hope at that point because you just think the word of God is true, and if if you know we follow this to the T, we are going to like each other. Well, the next stage of marriage is called anger. <laughs> Deep anger. Mm. And sometimes it's like this anger, and sometimes it's like this anger. If you're a pouter, you just quit talking. If you're a shouter, you, you start yelling. Okay, and trying to do all of this, trying to sort this out, pastoring churches, okay, looking at folks like you every Sunday, and then having these other things that we're having to work through just interpersonally because our determination was we're not, we are not going to fake it with each other. Well, but for a period there, we, just we had were to, faking Had it. to keep going the best it we could. Just, we yeah. were still doing that this is what the Bible says, and, but it wasn't really working for us. And, and okay, so are you saying that the Bible doesn't really work? Is that what no, you're saying? No, absolutely. That is not it. But it's yeah. kind of like this, Dave. It's like me and you trying to dance, right? Right? Let's do our waltz Cheryl, for them. Cheryl, Come this on. is, no, I'm Go telling ahead. you, I'm telling you. Huh? Let's do the waltz for them. Babe, Let's I show can't, them. I can't, I don't, Remember, you know I don't box. have this, huh? It's the box. It's the box. box. Uh -huh. Okay, here's okay. the box. Here's the okay. box. Okay, gonna go that way. Gonna go that way. Gonna go that way. See, I never grew up doing this. Then you'd have been, I'd have, okay. I'd have been thrown into the, the, the burning pit for doing this. There you go. Okay. That is our version of the waltz. It's kind of like taking the scripture and those, those verses about submission and, and yeah. loving as Christ loves the church. And when it's not, it's not there, it's, it's like that kind of a waltz. Now, I told him I could bring my mother who loves to waltz and her waltzing friend, Fred, and they could just gloriously make it look like poetry in motion, but that's mm -hmm. not where we are with our waltz. So it's not that the scripture doesn't work or isn't true. It's just a matter of when you, you try to make following some rules. Right. Right. It's another fits. set of rules. It, it's another kind of religion. And it only works when it's flowing out of a relationship. And that, that was the point, that you, 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 just do, you just do it. You get all your edges square and all your lines straight and you're checking all the boxes but your heart is somehow not engaged in the, the difference between truth and life. Truth remains truth, but when truth turns into life, then there's, it's a whole other dimension of things. And that is, that's what's had to happen, and by the grace of the Lord, what he has been working on us as the years have gone by to, to not only be able to see the truth in the word of the Lord, but, but to realize that, that he really wants us to be drawn closer to each other so that when we look at what the standards are in the truth, the guidelines are in Scripture, it's something that is a joy to us instead of something that's just, oh, man, we've got to do it. Just make it, make it happen. Whatever you've got to do, just do it right. You know something? This, this is nothing that terrified me. You know, I, I heard, I heard a, a speaker on, on uh, speaking to men on, on marriage and on relationships. And he made an interesting, a well-known speaker. He said, you know, it, it is astounding <laughs> how many men 
are terrified by their wives. And wives might never know that because they're the gentler, smaller, more delicate gender. But oh my goodness, the power that, that a wife holds in the life of her husband's opinions of himself and so forth. And I, that's, really, that's really the truth. Here's what she said. It scared me slapped to death because all I, I mean, I've just had, you know, if, if the word says it, that's enough and that's what we do. We keep it. Well, we make our vows, which, you know, I, I take you as my wife, as this, that, and that. And we got, we got into a spot at some point in this journey where she looked over at me one time and she said, let me tell you something. <laughs> you know, and that's about the way she said it. She said, if all I've got keeping me in this marriage is this thing right here, it ain't much. Like if all it is is an external symbol of something that isn't true and real and strong in my heart, then there's no strength to the external symbol. Well, I'm going to tell you, I thought great day. I might wait, I thought we, but we promised, we did our vows, we said we would do it, and that's true. But a vow, a promise dries up, doesn't mean that it's right to ever break a vow. But when there is no heart, when there is no life, when there is no love really flowing behind the vow, the, vow, the vows are easily broken. And, and that was what really spoke to me. Wait a minute now. Okay, so we've got all these boxes that we're trying to check and all these things that we're trying to do. How do we recover? How do we replenish the joy and the love just between us? And that was, we, we started, there was, there was a summer when we left San Antonio and left Alamo City probably 15 years ago or so now. More it's been than that, that long, more than that maybe closer no, to 20, yeah. somewhere around in there. And we were, we were just at a place where we, we were not being unfaithful regarding anybody else. There wasn't, it wasn't that kind of thing going on. It was just that there was such a sense of, of, of it not working between us. And then when it wasn't working between us, it was very difficult to do what we were trying to do on Sunday and minister to, to you, to be part of it. So, so we just felt like that and we, didn't, we weren't, didn't really say anything except to each other. We just said, we're leaving. We called it a sabbatical. And we just checked out. Honestly, we, we left here. And we did not know at the time that we left that we would be coming back here as, as pastor and wife of Alamo City. We, we weren't even really sure. We, divorce wasn't necessarily enough, but, but separation. We just didn't know whether we could keep going. Is that fair enough to say? In the way that we were going. Even though we, we knew we, we, we loved each other, that was, that was a deep thing, but it was just that it had gotten so rough, rugged, and, and, and the, the feelings were not right. We headed out and went to, went to New Mexico, uh, to Red River, New Mexico. And just with, it, with all, everything of our lives, including our kids, we had them farmed out, the three of them. And I'm gonna tell you, it was just the two of us and we had made the choice when we left here. We may not be coming back to Alamo City. We'll come back and get our kids. But the most important thing is that we come back together. That, 
that we've, we've found what we have lost in the process of ministry and raising kids and working jobs and so forth. We, we've got to have each other. We've got to find each other again. So off we went to the mountains where we love to go and we, we ended up just doing some crazy things and just us and, and, and I, you know, I'm telling you, it sparked again. There was, there was just a sense of, you know, you take everything else away from, from all of the expectations and all of the pressures or whatever, and I really am crazy about her. And I somehow, you know, felt, felt like, well, you know, I, I, that's true, but I even, you know what was even the bigger deal? I felt some of that coming back at me from not just duty, not just ought to, but, but, the, but the want to from both of our hearts. You know what I'm saying? And what had gotten us to that point was that we had allowed the ministry to get between us. Um, we had allowed other things, like the, the more I yeah, 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 at him, the less he wanted to be around. And so he, he would, you know, be gone and uh, down to the dear lease, and that would offend me. But the, and, and I had, you know, I had to throw my two cents in on everything he was doing as far as ministry goes. And... Well, in the, in you the, didn't feel respected by me. Yeah. I, um, because there was such a void here, I had close girlfriends that were really more important to me than him. I mean, because they were my lifeline where, where there was more comfort and encouragement than there was coming this way. Yeah. Would you, what yeah. else? Well, and it was, you know, when, when all of that... He didn't feel respected by me whatsoever. Yeah, when, when, but when that, we got away from that stuff. You know, she checked out from her friends. I couldn't head off to Webb County. I didn't have a responsibility to, to preach on Sunday and, you know, and so forth. It was just, we were just able to have, have that time together. Then it began to settle back in. You know, and I'm going to tell you, and this is, this is, I get choked up talking about it. But when it dawns on you... 25 years into your marriage, 30 years into your marriage, that if all you had is just her, for the rest of your life, you would be a happy man. To hell, listen, to hell with the rest of the rapper. If I have to choose between this rapper stuff, this reputation stuff, and the one who really represents joy and wanting her love, wanting her, then, then I, I choose her. We, it, it's, it's, the, it's the point again, God, folks, listen, amen. It, it's the point again of having a marriage ceremony again, but this time it's not some formal deal. It's just something that happens in your heart. I choose you again. If I had it to do all over again, I still would choose you. I still would want you. And you know, another, I think another part of that going along the, the, the way before we headed off up there, we, we decided that we had, to, we had to find something. This is, again, I'm talking to you out of a marriage, a pastor's couple, a pastor's wife marriage in crisis, okay? We, again, we weren't cheating on each other. We weren't, we, we weren't, it wasn't that kind of thing. It was just the sense that something has been lost between us. But so we figure we, we need to find something that we can do in San Antonio that, that we just can enjoy doing. Wait, back, back up. Because okay. the moment that, that this came to us, in, in, it wasn't like we got away and we looked at each other and went, 
you are so wonderful. Even your breath when you wake up is awesome. You know, that didn't happen on this trip. What happened is we got away long enough that we remembered why we liked each other. And when you lose that in your marriage, it's a scary thing. You've got to be friends with each other. You've got to like each other. And we were, um, we had been on some mountain bikes and we'd gotten all hot and dirty and we went down and got in the river and the river was ice cold. We were just in it, you know, to about here. And he dared me to get my head all the way under the water. And so we agreed we were going to do it together. And he said, on the count of three, well, you know, I didn't go down. It was too cold. <laughs> but he went under the water and he came back up and we were just dying laughing. It was like all of a sudden we'd found, you know, we'd found that place again of the friendship. So yeah. that was just a small point in the whole thing. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that, that's the, that is the, that's the big point is that, is that your, your, your marriage, the Lord never intended the marriage to be an LLC. Limited liability corporation. You may have that as an offshoot, but if that's all you are in your marriage, then then you're cheating yourself and your spouse. It's not supposed to ever be just a business relationship. You can have a business relationship with thousands of people. If your marriage has deteriorated only to the point of a business relationship, which can be translated over into the business relationship is the business of raising kids or the business of pleasing family or business of pleasing friends, business of living up to some kind of reputation we think we're... If all you have is a business relationship and a marriage, that is not a marriage. It is not a marriage. God intends for there to be more. You, and, and the more is that you like the person. You know, that you can enjoy being with the person. You, you want to be around them. And, and sometimes the truth is, I think we, you know, we will, we will fuss like brother and sister, you know. I mean, just like two a brother and sister are going to fuss, a little bit of squabble. Stuff. Or, or, two, or two good friends are going are gonna to disagree. But, but there's, also, there's also beyond that, there's, there's the romance part, there's the, there's the love part, there's the, there's the joy and looking forward to being together and just being the two of you. Here, here's, another, here's another little litmus test in your marriage. If you can't ever be just the two of you together without music having to be going on all the time or somebody else being there, it can never be just the two of you, then, you're, then, then there's something missing. God, God intended there to be joy between a man and a woman being together, just the two of them. We, we tried to intentionally raise our kids. We didn't do a lot of things right, I'm sure, in their lives. And they, we, you know, we need to probably have them up here someday to weigh in on this thing. But, but we, we, I mean, this was true even going into some of those, those years of the deeper struggles. We had just tried to make sure our kids understand mom and dad are going to have their time together. And, and we're going to have some date nights. We're going to take some trips together occasionally. We couldn't do that all the time, especially when they're little. But we'd, we would lock the bedroom door. I mean, lock that sucker. Punch the button. And little hands trying to turn that thing and knock on it. Let them cry. Let them, let them be upset. Let Mom, they ain't going to die. We didn't lose one of them. There are three of them. They didn't, 
they didn't need us that bad, but we needed the time with each other. We needed it. Now, I don't, you know, I don't resent that. We, you know, we, we tried to do some things to, to take some family vacations and be quality time, quality time with the kids. But, but the children, and there can be a season when this gets complicated because they're so small and they're so, they need so much of your time. But God never intended for children to take the place of your relationship with your spouse, with your husband or wife. He never intended that. The Bible never says the two will become one flesh, meaning the child and the parent will become one flesh. That is not what the scripture says. Mom and dad, mom, you will never be one flesh that close with your child, no matter who they are. But it says that in God's plan, by his miraculous power to create a love between two, he will make you as one flesh with your husband, with your wife. A dimension of closeness that can never be had with a child. I'm going to say that again, and I fully expect to have some, you know, there to be a little response to it. You know, but you will, you, 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 you will never have the potential to be as close to your child as to the husband or the wife that God has brought into your life. That is the order of God. That is the way it works. And we, and we, we see it, have seen it over the years, and, and that's why I'm, I'm so animated about it. Your marriage is in trouble if your children own you. If your children own you, your marriage is in trouble. If you cannot have a date night, if you cannot be separate, be, be away from them, if, you, if, if your whole evaluation of how well your home is doing is on the basis of how well the kids are doing, that is a faulty evaluation. The primary point of evaluation needs to be, is there enough going on here so that when those kids get to be 15 or 20 or 25 and they're out there, they will have a home to come back to with mom and dad together. And a good place to realize that too is when your kids start getting married, especially as a, a mom, your son, and how much joy you can take out of the fact that your son has a new person that's more important to him than you are and takes precedence over you um, in regards to holidays and, and the clothes that he wears, and the food that he brags on, all of those things. So if you've poured yourself into your kids, then when they start their home, for them to have a healthy home, that apron string has to be cut. And so if you lived right, it's not as painful as it can be if you have it. Okay, the, I'm going to say it again, and you know, I'm, I'm going to try to, I need to sweeten this up, but I've, I've just, part of it is that I've just, we've just dealt with this so many times in so many ways, that marriages dry up and husbands and wives drift away from each other because they've made an idol out of their children. And it is net, that is not God's intent. That is not God's intent. And, and so for there, for there to be an understanding that the primary unit in the home will always be the unit that it started out with, the husband and wife. The kids didn't come before the marriage. The kids came after the marriage. The kids came as a result of the union. That is to say, you have permission to make a priority out of your relationship with each other. You have a biblical standard of permission 
to enjoy the wife of your youth and for her to enjoy whatever her husband is or would be. That the two of you, that it's not to be a business relationship, it's not to just be a kid-raising business, that there is, there, is a, there is a relationship that is a friendship. It's a brother and sister in Jesus relationship, but it's a romance. It, it's a, it's okay, a romance. what if it's a second or third marriage and there's kids from a prior re- marriage or relationship? And it gets complicated. But, but here's, here's the deal, just, just, just categoric statement, uh, you know. If you're going to choose to have a blended family, if you're going to bring kids from one marriage, you know, and, and then the, the spouse has her, and, and you're going to bring the there, if, if that marriage is going to work, if it's going to last, the kids have to, have to be placed below the union between the husband and wife, or it won't last. It won't work. It'll be hell on earth. So you have to talk that through. You have to work that out. And we're going to come back to this a little later when we get to talk about hope and extended family or hope and blended families. Before you, before you so fall madly in love that you can't get out of something, and you've got, you got kids from different homes, parents being involved in that thing, you, the two of you better sit down and get it straight. We're not sure exactly how we're going to do this, but here's what I'm saying to you as, the, as my wife-to-be. I'm putting you in front of my children. You are more important to me than my children and to the husband that I am putting, I'm putting my, you before my children. If you don't do that, if you're not willing to do that, don't get married. Don't do it. Stay single. Tough it out. Figure out a way because it will just, it will, it will, it will make, it, it will make the difficulty even more pronounced by, by trying to, to uh, be married and honor each other, but then there's always another child coming in with some other something, and it, and it tears at this place. You, if you have just a business relationship, you can handle that kind of thing, but not if it's supposed to be a place of, of love flowing from the heart. Now, I, I really, I don't, I'm, I'm wanting to say this. I'm not, don't, I don't want, I'm not trying to pick a fight with anybody or hurt anybody. I'm, I'm just, I'm speaking from a volume of background and experience and watching it again and again and again and again. Make the relationship, the husband and wife, the priority, and let everybody else, everybody else understand that's the priority. And we'll work it from there. And God, he just has a way of blessing that. He, he just has a way of blessing that. I was just going to add to that. Ecclesiastes, I think it's chapter 3, says, two have a good return for their labor because if one falls down, the other is able to pick him up. And I feel like one of the main reasons that God has created marriage was that it was a way to, to knock the rough edges off of us, each of us. Mm. You know, we, we come into to this, it's having to learn how to do a relationship with another person. And, and they don't see life the way you do. And you don't see the life the way they do, but their perspective sometimes can really help. Where where right. you're messed up, they can see it clearer. And right. and so a lot of times, like if I would be real easy on the kids, he would be firmer on the kids, and there would be this balancing out of of where we were coming from. But we had to go back to again 
the place in the scripture, and we're going to go there in just a second in 1 Peter 3, where it talks about, like for a wife, that, that we are trusting the Lord to use our spouse in our lives. He's, and, 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 am I making sense? Yeah, there? no, okay. that you are. And one other thing I wanted to say before we went forward was that we live, there's so many of us that are like the sandwich generation. We have kids that we're concerned about, but also parents. And everything we've said about children is also true for older parents. You can't put mom or dad and their needs and their, you know, above this, this you need to be in line with your spouse and then the things that you do for your parents come out of that, but they don't supersede that. Here's, here's the scripture, one of the, the powerful, um, just, just, a, just a shaft of wonderful light that Paul gives us in, in 2 Corinthians, that, that the, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is at work, there's going to be freedom. The Spirit of the Lord, where the Spirit of the Lord is, where He is at work, there's going to be freedom. The Lord brings somebody into your life like, like the Lord brought Shirley into my life. Her perspective on some things that, were, that, that have resulted in freedom in my life, when, when she first presented those perspectives, where I saw those operating in her life where she would ask a question about um, my background, my family, why do we do that? Why do I have that particular perspective? It wasn't that she was trying to pick a fight, but that I would, I'd be so defensive at some of that stuff. That, that it would, even though it was bondage, even though there was a, the Lord wanted to set me free from some of those mindsets and some of the, the, the strength of those relationships, that, that I, I was defensive and we would get into some pretty serious disagreements and fusses and I would just be saying, but you don't understand. You don't understand my family. You don't understand this. Don't, don't be talking about something that you don't know. You don't know what that feels like. Well, what the Lord was trying to do was to bring freedom to me. She was speaking, she was looking into a situation that was bondage and she was wondering, why are you staying there? Why are you, and, but, I, but it's all I had ever known. It seemed to be justified. And so I was protecting it. I would protect my shackles. I would protect my bondage. And God had brought somebody into my life who was speaking freedom. If you just realize, as long as you're protecting it, you're never gonna be asking the Lord to, to set you free. Never going to be asking the Lord to, to, to do what he can to, to release you from that. And, and so we, we just stay guarded. We stay in prison. But, you know, that's, and, and you see different things about each other's families or you see different things about the way the people relate. And it can take somebody from the outside looking into your situation to see prison and bondage um, that, that you don't even really know is there because it's, maybe it's always been there. It seems so justified. Listen to the voice of freedom speaking to you. And it can come through your spouse who, who comes into the situation not having all the background that you do and not having all the reasons to justify it. But she's saying, why, why is it that way? Why do you think that way? Why do you let it happen that way? Stay that way. You, you, as time goes on, you just get where you don't fight over that anymore. You just shut it off. And so the, the one being challenged by those thoughts decides to just stay in prison stay in bondage, and the other one who has been saying, I don't know why you have to stay there or be there, is, is not able to do any good because it's just, it's North and South Korea, got a demilitarized zone, there's, just, there's been a truce, the war hadn't ended, you know. 
So that's an yeah. example in my life was my relationship with my dad. I was so afraid of my dad, and so when we'd go home after we got married, it was kind of like, you're on your own, buddy. I'm over here doing whatever my father tells me to do. You know, if he says jump, you say how high, and, and it, no, no respect or concern for my husband at all. It was all about my dad, and, and David challenged me at that point, but, you know, to me, it was like, it's my dad. You know, I, I mean, the way he looked to me was like this fierce warrior that could chop my head off at any moment. And he's just seen this guy in his 60s that, you know, kind of has a cranky attitude sometimes. So, again, that's a place where he didn't see my father the way I did. And the way I saw my dad and reacted to my dad wasn't the way I was supposed to be one flesh with my husband, not still stuck in the place of, of um, cowering to everything my father well, said. Well, and that would work, too, with you, you speaking back into my family background. <laughs> you know, I mean, there, were, there were rules that we had around our house that, that um, you know, I mean, we, we thought, we would have thought that, that the, the family living down the street that Shirley would have lived in, we would have thought they would have been the worst hell-raising pagans that just, you know, you could ever, because they did this, and they did that, and they did all these other things, and and, you know, but here we are, we're squeaky clean, we're going to church, we never miss it Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we got all the camps, we got all the stuff going, but look at these little hoodlums over here. <laughs> and the little hood, I married one of the hoodlums, you know, I just married one of them, the, the Lord working in her. A hard-headed hoodlum. A hard-headed hoodlum at that. <laughs> but but from, from her hard-headed hoodlum stuff, looking in on some of my religious stuff, that was nothing other than the traditions of men. It was not the ordinances of God and Jesus. I, I don't want to bring up the fact that one of our families, there was a moral failure, um, but it wasn't right. We were, too, we were too busy being bad in the neighborhood. A moral failure. There was, well, what are you saying? Well, there was a moral failure in your house of gigantic proportions. We didn't have that oh, in our yeah. little pagan house. So yeah, well, okay, there you go. Not that I'm bitter or anything, but I just want to <laughs> set the record straight. Okay, so we all hear... have some, we all have some yeah, junk uh, in our Yeah, and I get that. Our box, our box was the religious, you know, Baptist to the 43rd power, you know, that kind of thing. King James Version, Schofield and all. And, and so here, here's here and thou shalt not and whatever. So, so within this framework, as time goes on, there is, a, there is a cataclysmic moral failure. Cataclysmic moral failure. Marriage, marriage ended and so forth within, within my family. She's over here living Learned with how the hoodlums. Learned with Elvis. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and there was no moral failure. There may have been profanity. There may have been alcohol. There may have been some other stuff. But, but at least the married people stayed together. Okay, and so, so she's has a right to say. You need to check what, what is God and what isn't God, and, 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 and people are people, and, and, and sin can happen, but there's forgiveness, there's grace, there's the mercy of the Lord. We get up and we go on. She had so much more about what grace meant than I ever even thought about. I, I had to wait a while to, you know, I had to go through some things to learn about grace because I was so programmed to perform and check the boxes and fill in the blanks according to what you know. She, she's over here. They were, you know, out, outside of the, 
the church, outside the family of faith, and just, you know, just rocking on through life. And, and then the realization came, well, this here is sin, and here's, but here's the grace of God, here's the mercy of Jesus, that even though we were hoodlums in the neighborhood and you know, all that stuff going on, Jesus loved us anyway. So I'm a squeaky little clean preacher's kid over here, and I'm not thinking I'm not necessarily needing a whole lot of grace because all the things I don't do, you know. And yet stuff blows up in, in my box here, moral, massive moral failure in our, in our little box. And, 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 and she's still got folks married and loving each other and doing things and understanding more of the grace of God. Okay, so does that mean you shouldn't raise your kids to love the Scripture and we shouldn't raise Yes, we should. But if, you're, if we're doing the Scripture as if the Scripture in and of itself has the power to make sure a life doesn't mess up, then we're missing what Paul said in Galatians 3. There is no... There is no commandment that has in it the power of life, the power to impart life. You can read thou shalt not and thou shalt all day long, but there is no power in just the reading of that, even though it's biblical truth, according to Paul in Galatians. There's no commandment that has in it the power to give life. Only Jesus by his grace can put life inside us. And then, and then the word comes to life. It's not the word holding us to, to proper obedience or behavior. It's the life of the spirit of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what I had to, I had to get from her. I, I didn't have no, how in the word could have, you know, could a little hard-headed hoodlum know much <laughs> about the grace of God and the mercy of God. But she's taught me a bunch of that. And she's not Where a hard-headed hoodlum. abound grace all the more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, you want to read that passage? Yes. This is First uh, Peter, what were you going to start in, three? Yes. Okay. Chapter two of First Peter talks about, you might want to go back and read this later, but it's, it's the example that Jesus set for us in suffering, actually. It, it, it's a beautiful passage, and then he goes right from that into First Peter um, chapter three, and it says, in the same way, looking at what Jesus has done, you wives be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. Here's this picture of how do you become a change agent in your home. And as a wife, the way you become a change agent in your home isn't by, um, what is it you called me, a little chihuahua? Chihuahua, a little chihuahua, chihuahua. dog. Excuse me, all you chihuahua owners out there. Yeah, but, uh, it's not by harping on things and complaining or, or threatening or crying, but, but it, it is something much better than that, uh, that he says that we do. And it says that the husband, as he observes your chaste and respectful behavior, and let your adornment be merely, let not your adornment be merely external, the braiding of hair, the wearing of gold jewelry, or putting on of dresses. That word that's used there for adornment it's the word cosmos, which means like the world, your culture. Mm. Let, don't let your culture as a woman just be what you look like on the outside. But it says, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable, which is an awesome word. It means it can't be corrupted. It's never, when you die, it doesn't die. The imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. That just jumped out at me this week to realize that God, Father God, uh, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, who live in a place where they pave the roads with gold. Mm -hmm. 
that what he calls precious, what he sees as being of great value, mm-hmm. um, of much worth, can be the gentle and quiet spirit that a woman has. And I, I was meditating on that, and I thought, you know, diamonds, which are, you know, women are supposed to love diamonds, in case you didn't know, they are. And Valentine's Day is coming up, guys. But anyway, a diamond, what makes it so valuable, it was just a lump of coal until a lot of pressure got put on it, right? And so that is what happens when, when God is developing in a woman that, per, that um, precious, gentle, gentle and quiet spirit. It can be the result of the pressure being put on us. That when we go through those rough times as a spouse and we choose not to, to blow up like an, a volcano or go in the corner and sulk, but instead we do what it says right next, that something is being developed in us that's the quality of a diamond. Can I, can I just insert something? Uh-huh. You, you know, what happens when a wife starts fighting with her husband like a man he knows this from experience. Is, is, that, is that something kicks in inside the man that, that he's dealing with an equal. He, he's he's got to fight back like a man. He, he, he's got to be bigger than. But, oh, women, ladies, sisters in Jesus, if you ever, if it ever did that 18-inch drop where you realize that your most powerful weapon, if you want to use it, with your husband is not how loud you can scream and what lamps you can throw and what skillets you can pitch, but it's that you'll just, you will listen to him, you'll look at him, and you'll be able to say, I don't agree, and I'm going to just ask the Lord to show you. Then, then, I've gotten out of the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Instead of instead of me not being able to see God because I'm seeing her, now when she's gone, I'm looking straight into the face of God, and and it and it's not me having to beat her into submission or make her. It's it's me having <laughs> to stand there naked before the Lord, knowing that I'm fixing to make a choice, of fixing to do something, and I'm going to have to answer directly to Him. Wives, if you ever if you ever understood just that, just makes me want to do the glory dance. <laughs> just. <laughs> If you, if you ever got that where, where you just, just, just get your, doesn't mean that you, that you roll over and you give in to anything legal or, or abusive or whatever, but it, it, just, it just means that, that, that you're, you're, you're going to let him have to deal directly with the Lord. And, and let me just say, Oof. this is not a quiet spirit. I mean, I might be being quiet, but a pouty or being moody or, you know, giving him the silent treatment, that is not having a gentle and quiet spirit for some of us that thought that we were just being so godly and submissive. A gentle and quiet spirit, the word for quiet there is like a still water. It's at rest. It's at peace. And where does that come from? Only the Lord. Yeah. But he, he can do it. And, and, yeah. and that's what we need to see in the next verse where it says... Uh, for in this way, in former times, the holy women also, who what? Hoped in their husband getting his act together. Who hoped in Dr. Phil speaking some truth into their husband. Who hoped that when they, she drug him to church, the pastor would say something. No. 
who hoped in God. Mm. My hope doesn't rest upon him and his genius, although he's, you know, he's smart and he's capable. But when I hope on him, it's, it's, it's in the wrong place. Mm. He becomes an idol. Our hope isn't in our marriage relationship. Our hope isn't in our wife but our, or our, our husband, but it is that we're putting our hope in the Lord. Lord, I didn't make this vow to him when I got married. I made a vow to you. I got married in your presence because I knew it was going to take a lot more than just me to, to make this thing work. That the, the, the agreement was that we weren't just making a promise to each other, but we were making a promise to you. That in the tough times, in the times when I was going to be the hard head that didn't want to give in and didn't want to change, that you were going to do a work in my life and the same with, with him. That's where the, the peace can come in. Sometimes when we get at it at each other, in fact, we did this last week. We kind of got at it at each other. And when I'm still agitated inside, I have to just go to the Lord and go, you know, why do I want to keep, you know, I'm sorry, but <laughs> do you ever do that? You know, you want to apologize, but you just want to get the, you know, get it straightened out. You really were wrong, and I'm going to let you know you were, or whatever. Um, the peace that rests, that pond, that's the water where it's just still comes when we take the things to the Lord and then we let him deal with it. And so consequently, in this situation, he was still mad. He was mad. And, and, but I didn't have to carry his anger because I was at peace and, and in a little while. And that you know, may be even more mad. You know? <laughs> if I'm miserable, I want the whole world to be miserable. <laughs> How can, you, how can you be okay, you know? If your spouse's mood dictates life for you, then you're in a bad place. You've got a lifeline somewhere that it doesn't need to be. That, that needs to be going this way. And then you can freely love this person, whether they're in a good mood or a bad mood. But if you two are just locked together like this, then everybody has to cooperate all the time. So, there you hmm. have it. Well, yeah, and, and then, again, it comes back to that thing of now when she's, when, when she's not staying in the place of being stewing, of stewing with me, then I've got to start wondering, where did she get, where, how did she get out of this? Where, where, did, where did she get released? Which puts it back to the Lord, takes it back to the Lord. When a husband or a wife, but I'm saying from the man, when, when, we're, when we're forced by the behavior of our wives, to have to look at the Lord or just keep staring at our own navel and how miserable this is right here, but I can't fight with her, can't. I've got to look here. Then, then there's hope for both, there's, 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 and there's mercy, there's mercy. We've got to wrap this up, and the plan is, if it's okay with you all, if we can do this, is do a part two to this next week, next Sunday, okay? Would that be all right with you all? We'll come back together and just kind of do another, do another piece of this. Remind me, just say this, say this one more guy. Happiness does not require perfection. If, if, so if you hear, if you heard some things, you realize, okay, we need to work on that. Do not expect that you're going to be able to get all parts of that thing done by dark today. It won't happen. Happiness does not require perfection, but what will happen is that you just begin to take some steps, bring the Lord in, let the, let the light in, Lord show us, help us, and anywhere there's, there, there's somebody, you feel like that there's a spot where, 
where you keep being challenged on an attitude or something by your, by your spouse or the way you do things, in, instead, of, instead of protecting that, instead of just saying, you don't understand, kill the messenger kind of thing, you don't understand, here this, assume that that may be the blessing of the Lord, even though it looks, it looks strange and foreign, but where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He's working to bring freedom to your life. He's wanting to set you free in some places that the other person has been able to walk in freedom, but you don't know what it looks like because you never lived there. But it's, well, the Lord's wanting to do that in here. Uh, what I'd like for us to do as we, as we close is, is, um, is to pray, is to pray for, um, for all of us. I mean, the, we, those of you who are married and you're sitting next to the person that you're married, would you reach over and take one hand or put your arm around the neck? Now, I'm going to hear something else. If you are single and you're not married right now, but there is a sense in your heart that you would want to be one day, here's what I want you to do with your hands. I want you to just join your hands in your lap as if you're praying for and looking to the Lord for who he will bring into your life. Now, it will be done, if it's done right, it will be done the way the Lord does it, not the way we feel like or Hollywood seems to try to fashion our thinking as to how a, a marriage is supposed to be. It, it's not a business partnership. It's not just a sex-driven drug. It's somebody that if you had all the people in the world, in the world to choose from. 41 years later, you would still be absolutely satisfied and thrilled about spending the rest of your days with that face right there. Only God, only God can do that. And he wants to, he wants to. That's the hope that we have in Babe, you want to pray? And, and yeah. I want to say one other thing, because I, the scripture says that the relationship between a husband and a wife is to reflect. It's just supposed to be for us a picture of mm. what God desires with each one of us, yeah. the relationship he longs to have with each one of us. And so you may, marriage may not be on your radar today, but I pray what you'll take away from this today is that what the Lord wants is a living relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you that's one that's not so much about the rules and trying to do the, the waltz by the steps, but that is a living, mm. loving, joyful, vibrant relationship just with you. He loves you yeah. that much right. that he's pursued you. If you've never come to know Jesus, you mm. can come to know him today. And as we close, we just want to invite you. You mm. can just come up here and say, you know, I don't know what it would be mm. like. I have not experienced having a relationship with God like what you've ex explained to me. And, and we will, someone mm. will be willing to pray with you up here.